0: Um, so I, I think we've got everything set up here. The levels look good. Everything's recording fine. But I, I feel like there's something I've i forgotten.
1: Um, did you forget Christopher?
0: Yeah, mm. I forgot Christopher. Oh. Sorry, Christopher. Darn it. All right. Well, Christopher's not here, but I think it might be a little bit too late to go back for him. We'll just start. Hey, Claudia. This is my... We're going by Claudia today. Yes, we'll go by Claudia okay. today. This is my friend, Claudia. Hi, James. She is a veterinarian, which makes her very important for many reasons. So, Claudia,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. is there anything you want to talk about, or should I start interviewing you?
1: Oh, I like the idea of being interviewed. (laughs)
0: Well, now, hang on. This is just a very academic process here. Mm -hmm. I know what you're expecting.
1: Indeed. Well, shall we begin?
0: I'm married to a veterinarian, so I know you people. (laughs) What do you like about what you do?
1: What do I like about what I do? Well, I I actually really enjoy people and I enjoy teaching. And I enjoy figuring things out and explaining it to people. But I also really enjoy, well, specific dogs, the brachycephalics, the bulldogs. What What is a brachycephalic? The Frenchies. So brachycephalic means flat-faced. Oh, Dolichocephalic are the dogs with the long noses.
0: So you like the short ones? Brekies, yes, the The ones that can't breathe.
1: Well, indeed they have some redundant soft palate issues and stenotic nares and sometimes hypoplastic tracheas, but yes, I I grew up with pugs long before they became incredibly trendy, although you could say that Napoleon made them trendy and certainly um you know they the, the history of the breed in general is they've always been well they're they're kind of like singaporean fruit bat monkey dogs what are, on earth does that mean well they're they're just they're like little monkeys they're so expressive and they're just so they're such characters um okay, i'm i'm, so I'm kind they, of
0: sorry that we started this question cuz i really don't like those
1: dogs that's quite all right. That's what makes the world go around.
0: It just it looks like they're having such a hard time breathing.
1: Well, some of them do and some of them don't. And those that do, there are surgical procedures that you can help them to breathe. In fact, a couple of my pugs did have soft palate resections. And one lived to be 18 and the other lived to be 16. And they did quite well once they actually started getting oxygen.
0: Are the ones that can breathe better, are, are, are they the ones with the longer noses?
1: Not uh, Not necessarily. Mm -hmm. it really varies from pug to pug and it's it's fascinating because i did some pug rescue long before i became a veterinarian um in the bay area in california and also in los angeles and i grew up with pugs and my father was a veterinarian but i didn't know anything about soft palate resections or repairing their nose and then in the late 80s i started volunteering doing pug rescue Mm -hmm. And one of my dogs had this sturder and strider, to sound scientific, and uh, we were transporting pugs to the veterinarian that was working with the rescue. And he said, let me take a listen to your pug and pick the pug up and sort of tilted the pug about so that he could determine where the redundant tissue was in the pug's throat. And he said, we could do a procedure and, and remove that redundant tissue and your dog will... So be able to breathe. You have to rotate
0: the dog so it can breathe properly.
1: Well, no, he was that good in that he had done so many procedures that he could pick the dog up and and literally sort of rotate them around and get an idea of how much tissue he would need to resect from the soft palate. It's really
0: disappointing that there aren't more doctors like that.
1: It's such a specialized field, and I think that these dogs scare a lot of people because (laughs) they there's the thought that there's a higher well. Higher anesthetic risk on recovery. They're actually breathing really well when they're under anesthesia, and they have um, an endotracheal tube placed because they have a, a very patent airway. Like it means oh, yeah, that yeah, the yeah. air can no, flow I totally back and what forth. You're talking about, and uh, that's why I'm saying patent. It, it's it's open. It, it it's like a oh, nice just say tube. open then open. Don't Their get academic on me. They're... Do I look smart to you? Oh, you do. I get conf- You know, <laughs> well, it's... It, it's the glasses, the glasses, and the goatee. Now? The goatee makes <laughs> the me goatee look smart. I, I'm
0: going for this is the evil James.
1: Mm, you, yeah.
0: There's a universe in which there's a good James. Well, this is not that one.
1: You look like the beatnik sophisticate. Really? Yeah. How about now? Oh, even more so oh now. Even more so now. Took he he off. took off his hat for those of you who can't see and let the you know have the, a the hair kind have a of come over and sort of like, yeah, like the '80s. It, but it's of. it's
0: not really controlled right now. It's it's overgrown. So it, I don't know.
1: I don't know it looked really as if it had been quaffed (laughs) and and almost curled in a specific way yes
0: quaffed by the hat for the past three
1: hours
0: (laughs) so it's a specialized skill
1: good hat hair is a rare a rare thing to find you should grab onto that and and run with it no um all right so back to patent air no no no,
0: no. you know what i think we've gone a little bit too far down the rabbit hole Mm -hmm. or the the tracheal hole of the pugs which I wasn't interested to begin with because I don't like, pug. Po- I'm okay. sorry, I'm a bad oh, person. That's quite, I, I shouldn't be antagonizing gu- guests. This is why I'm not a very good po- podcast no, host. You know,
1: I'm, I'm actually used to it. It's, I have a number of friends over the years and especially veterinarians from the UK that think that these dogs should be outlawed and they're controversial. I'm I, I'm a bit used to the controversy. I, I might be married to one of
0: those. Not the British type, but just one that thinks you know.
1: I don't want to say. I don't want to. You know, it's again, it's what makes the world go around. I do not judge people. That's fine. In fact, we can still come on. You you judge people.
0: We were judging people earlier when we were looking at your house. It doesn't
1: necessarily mean that I won't invite you over and have coffee (laughs) with you or do a podcast with you.
0: Good (laughs) coffee, by the way. Thank you. Yes, we are in Claudia's house today, which is a very distinct change for us. Which is probably why I forgot Christopher. Ah i hope he went inside uh anyway yes but she invited me into her beautiful huge home not it's huge. not huge. I won't it's, say huge it's cozy it's nice a beautiful home
1: it's just a high ceiling with great coffee indeed
0: this is better coffee than christopher gives me
1: Sorry. but he he usually sets up the well let's hope the microphones are working well and i think they're fine okay <laughs> i'm trusting you again i
0: can see the levels look good over here
1: again the sophisticate beatnik so uh,
0: yeah whatever it doesn't take much to get a good podcast off the ground This kind of drives me a little bit crazy when i hear pod- bad sound on a podcast mm. not that i'm not saying this podcast is going to be the best sounding podcast you listen to because it's not professionally produced but it doesn't take much to make a good sounding po- or a reasonably sounding sounding podcast
1: that sounds like a subject matter for another podcast
0: yes i think so uh, you don't want many bo- i could bore you it's not me have that's you been boring. bored
1: much no i haven't been bored but i'm thinking bored, about the listeners
0: if you want to be bored all right so the next question was what do you dislike about being a veterinarian?
1: Mm, all the records. Oh, yeah. Boy. It's really what holds. People wonder, why is it taking so long? Why Why is my appointment? I'm here. What's going on? Well, you have to document absolutely everything in detail. Not only so that uh, for me, when I go back and I see a patient, maybe I haven't seen him in three years. What the heck did I see him for last time? But let's say I'm referring them, say, for instance, to your wife. <laughs> oh, the God. Specialist.
0: oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I feel sorry for anybody who has to refer to my wife because well, she, her, her her take on notes may be a little bit more than what most people expect. No, no.
1: And, and actually, she I remember when we first met, and I would ask her opinion, and I made sure that everything was completely detailed, everything about that animal, anything I was thinking, all the differentials, all the tests, all the physical findings, absolutely everything in a very clear-cut, erudite, concise medical record for her. Now- it doesn't happen all the time and and every once in a while uh you know when I know I'm referring something to your wife it it gets me back on that track but but that's that's probably what I dislike the most is just the time that it takes now there's a satisfaction when you're done and you go back and you read the record and you think wow did I actually write that I I I was thinking very clearly well it's like
0: a craft it's like going back and looking at something you made you made this thing and you did a great job doing it yeah
1: but it's not, it's not the most fun.
0: Well, here's a tip. Uh, you should be a bike mechanic. Because when I was a bike mechanic, the, there are two really nice things uh, mm-hmm. that being a, uh, a being a bike mechanic has over being a veterinarian. One, at the end of the day, you can just leave the bike unfinished. Mm-hmm. You can walk away and finish it in the morning. It doesn't matter if the bottom bracket is disassembled. Uh, it doesn't matter if the headset is in parts on half on the bench and half on the bike. And the other thing is you don't really have to document that much. You just check off what you've done
1: yeah you know you're probably right because because really it is you, you are a mechanic and it was funny because i thought if i didn't get into veterinary school i wanted to be a mechanic
0: the, on the on the downside of that you're probably giving up about 90 percent of your salary hmm. plus it's not quite as intellectually challenging
1: mm, I, I don't know bikes nowadays i mean we oh, actually God. i just went and and looked Spanky. at at you know i guess there's back order on bicycles now you know, well, this you can't past get one year for six to eight months and
0: this past year was a real stretch Mm-hmm. But if you wait just a few more months, I think we'll see a lot more on Craigslist.
1: Well, I did. I ended up. I, I don't want to digress again. I'm the queen of digression. We can and, do that. And, we talk and, about and let's anything go off want. on that tangent is. Uh, yeah, we decided that uh, my fiance has a bicycle. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, you know, I'd really like to start exercising so that when I'm not at work, I can let my mind relax oh, yeah. and let my body take over. And so we went to go to a bike shop to look. And uh, they actually had a few bikes. Now, I test drove one, but it was purple. Which, uh, nothing against that. <laughs> I, I just tend to be a little bit more understated. Mm. Well, as I personally am not understated, I don't think I need a bike that's, oh, that's not. that's a good point. Let's that's put it point. that way. So, since I'm so bombastic and, <laughs> and dramatic.
0: Well, I the listener that... doesn't know that. Uh, Can I share a little tidbit with the listeners about you? Please. I haven't seen Claudia that often in the past year. I wasn't sure what I was going to get. I was thinking, okay. I've seen her with very, very short blonde hair, and I've seen her with very, very, very long blonde hair. And she shows up today with very, very short black hair.
1: Well, the one thing you need to explain is that very, very long blonde hair was actually braids. It was extensions. Oh yeah, locks. locks. They, were, they were the big box braids. <laughs> Whatever you say. Yes.
0: I'm not conversant in that language.
1: No, I actually, I went to this wonderful woman from Ghana and had her braid the extensions in. And so they were big, huge bread. They're very heavy. And, <laughs> and, and I quite liked it. It's just it, it was very hot. And I do ride horses, and I couldn't get a helmet on my head. Oh, so I, well, isn't I that kind of like a helmet? Take, uh, it's not officially, unfortunately, for if you're doing competitions. Ah. They don't count it as a helmet. Uh, that would have been wonderful because then I could have continued to do it. But alas, the judges said no. You judges. must wear a helmet.
0: Those, they're so small minded.
1: I mean, I thought the same thing. I thought, gosh, if I fall off this horse, I've got, you know, how many layers of hair between how, I me? mean,
0: those those equestrian right. helmets, they don't look like they're that.
1: They're fancy. They're, they're fancy and scientific. They're way oh, they beyond okay. what either one of us, the, the designers and, and to protect, you know, what's what's in the head. Is there
0: styrofoam in there?
1: There's all kinds of fancy space-age materials mm. beyond my my knowledge base, but I know that a lot of people have been saved by wearing helmets.
0: I, I'd have to take a close look at these to see before, they're, I, they're, before I pass judgment.
1: They're, and they're constantly evolving as well. Oh, into, that's good. Okay, you know, well, that, okay, ma- that this makes and me... That. And, and for instance, I, I wear a vest, mm-hmm. um, and there are blow-up air vests mm. that attach to the saddle <laughs> so that if you happen to come off and it releases from the saddle, you go,
0: it's an airbag. It blew, it's You're an wearing airbag. an airbag. Yeah, You're they, wearing an airbag. They've been trying to develop that for cycling too. I don't know. I it, don't
1: know why they don't. Someone mentioned that, that they, I was, I was talking to a gal, I don't remember who the other day for something I was doing. And she said that her boyfriend rode dirt bikes. And I talked to her about, you know, and she said that he broke his collarbone. Mm-hmm. I said, well, why isn't he wearing an air inflated vest? They don't have them. And they're really not that cumbersome. I mean, imagine you're riding a horse cross country acro- across, you know, over hill and dale, and through. You need to be able to move about and direct the animals. So, if you're on a motorcycle, you should be able to have the same thing. So, I don't know. It makes sense. Uh, sometimes it it's just
0: uh, entrenched fashion design, mm. fashion ideas about what's acceptable. Uh, mm. Certain cycling certainly has that. Oh my god. Life getting you down your head always drooping towards the floor, and then seeing your horrible floor just makes you feel that much worse? What to do? Don't change you. That's too much work. Change your floor instead. Go Rageous Flooring is happy, sunny, exciting, rejuvenating flooring. They make flooring fun again. Woohoo. Go Rageous Flooring. For one you just can't bear to look at your old, horrible floor anymore. You'll be so happy, you won't ever look at your floor again. Whoopie. That's Gor RageousFlooring.com. Go Rageous Flooring. G-O-R-A-G-E-O-U-S.com. Well, here's a question, for cycling-wise, mm-hmm. if you if you had a, a more sedate colored bicycle, we're talking gray. Lock. I did
1: find oh I found a lithium-gray one. <laughs> I did. Lithium gray. Lithium gray. Okay. Not just plain gray, lithium gray.
0: <laughs> you probably had to pay more for that. So if you have your lithium-gray bicycle, uh, if you're going to go full kit, and kit is what you're wearing, what would that look like?
1: Well, here's the funny thing, because when I was growing up with my banana seat, mm-hmm. and my, but we didn't wear helmets. We didn't... I mean, you know, nowadays, everybody's wearing helmets. Yeah, it was like, a, that was a different time. What are you talking about? So, I did actually buy a pair of bike shorts, mm-hmm. Um, because the it is interesting. There, there have been a lot of changes and innovations, and the seat is very different than mm-hmm. the seat that I used to ride on when I was growing up. So... I did happen to pick up, I was very fortunate. They had this turquoise and yellow bike, this purple bike, and then a lithium gray in my size. And we said, oh, I don't have to wait six to eight months, I can do it in 10 days and I can pick it up. So I thought, oh, I, I guess I need some clothing for this. Now I can wear my helmet that I ride my horse in. Oh,
0: <laughs> uh, can you? Yeah. All right. I, guess I, I have several take, of them. You're going to have to show me this helmet later.
1: I don't have any here, but but we can do it at, at a later time. All right. There's still something about it, even though, yes, I want to be a responsible adult that says, really, I have to wear a helmet when I'm riding a bicycle.
0: Well, you know, there are different opinions on that, actually, when you dive into it. Tell me. It's probably a good idea here in America because we're really dumb here. But in a lot of Europe, mm-hmm. they ride so differently and their bicycle lanes are generally so far apart from mm-hmm. their motorist lanes and the motorists understand that that it's usually not a big deal to ride in europe without a helmet Um, now you're a bicyclist aren't you oh yeah
1: oh see there's a subtext to all this
0: oh yeah i mean we could talk about this all day unfortunately (laughs) i don't know when to stop (laughs) this is why i should not leave christopher behind Mm. because he knows when to stop me and he keeps you on target well no we just we follow a different target we find another target he keeps me from being you know going down the rabbit hole too far
1: okay which i can certainly do as well because (laughs) i started to think about well when i was in china which reminded me of the usual suspects. Back when I was picking coffee in Guatemala. When were you in China? Ah, when I was in veterinary school. Oh, okay. Uh, I was there doing research on Asiatic black bears. What? So one of the things that motivated me to become a veterinarian is I wanted to work internationally. And Hong Kong is one of my favorite cities. Uh-huh. So my second year in veterinary school, there was actually a publication out of Davis. There was an article about a woman who was a veterinarian in Hong Kong. And she was working for an organization called Animals Asia. And I started reading the article and became absolutely fascinated. And there is something called the bear bile industry in China.
0: The bear bile, oh bile, as in the as in bile, the, as okay.
1: in ursodeoxycholic acid. Oh yeah. Now yeah. we can synthesize this, and we actually use it in human medicine. It dissolves cholesterol-based gallstones and it does it, it works for we use it in animals as well you ask your wife about it she prescribes Ursodiol. i've already
0: forgotten what you said so i can't
1: so so anyway um it can be synthesized but in chinese traditional medicine they've been using this for many many hundreds of years for all kinds of things uh, to grow hair to increase your libido which i really don't think it does that but nonetheless
0: well have you tried it
1: culturally no, I haven't. Well then, uh, yeah. so I really, you absolutely keep me, keep me honest, keep me honest. I, I don't know. Um, culturally, the Chinese believed that they wanted the actual compound from the animal, mm-hmm. and they were poaching these bears almost out of existence in Asia. And someone, I don't know who, came up with the brilliant idea of wild catching these bears. And putting them in cages the size of their bodies on farms. So you had hundreds of bears in cages the size of their bodies, not managed by veterinarians. That were creating little holes in their gallbladders so that they could drain this out and they could use it. And you know,
0: I have to stop you there for just for a moment, just to express as much as I dislike pugs. Really, the animal that bothers me the most on this planet are humans.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I absolutely agree. This was utterly horrific to me. Do you think
0: you can help me? You know, get rid of them okay we'll talk about that later later.
1: so there was a woman named jill robinson whose husband was a pilot for pan-am and maybe it wasn't pan-am i don't know one of the big airlines and they lived in hong kong and she heard about and it probably wasn't pan-am because i think pan-am was defunct by the time that she started animals asia so i'm completely inaccurate with that let's just
0: say pan-am because it sounds awesome
1: doesn't it yes I don't know, though. The uniforms for TWA were, were pretty swanky. If I was uh, going to be a flight attendant, I might have wanted to be a... Ralph Lauren designed them. Double-breasted, like charcoal gray suits. I, I don't know. I digress. So Jill Robinson, living in Hong Kong, hears about the biofarming industry, manages to tour one of these facilities and, and is absolutely and utterly horrified. She manages to get a group of, of people together, movers and shakers, um, and started Animals Asia. And she started to work with Ch- the Chinese government to close down some of these biofarms. But it's a huge industry. Really, And where are these people going to work? And on top of that, you've wild caught these bears that now a lot of them don't have arms and legs, and they don't have teeth because they've been in the And, and they're also really psychologically messed up because they've been in cages the size of their bodies for 20 years. You can't re-release them into the wild. How do you stop this? So slowly over time, she started to work with the industry and with other people and got a lot of donations and worked with veterinarians and worked with people around the world to begin to close these bile farms down with the Chinese government. And outside of Chengdu, which is the capital of the Sichuan province, in a little village called Longchao, they had um, the Animals Asia rehab facility where they had these bears that were If they weren't put to sleep because a lot of them Mm -hmm. were really really sick and couldn't be saved but any animals that could be rehabilitated were taken to this animal asia's bear sanctuary and i read the article about it and was very very interested in it one of my professors was well there was something called the geraldine r dodge fellowship Mm -hmm. it was open to veterinary students throughout the americas if you could come up with some study that would benefit animal welfare think they picked i don't remember the number but it's a fairly small number of people they would give you a fund mm. to to fund your study i contacted animals asia and um they said well actually this would be great we would love to develop what's called an ethogram which is a list of behaviors oh. that a species displays displays thank you things that are healthy but then also things that are called stereotypies stereotypic behavior are repetitive seemingly mm-hmm. non-functional behaviors like twirling your hair or biting your fingernails or pacing Mm -hmm. that are a measure of the emotional well-being of an animal. So they wanted to try to look at bears in three different phases. Bears that had just come to the rehab center that were still in cages the size of their bodies because they were too weak to actually be released. A lot of them had to have their gallbladders removed and then go through a rehab process where then they were paired with other bears that once they were strong enough to actually get up and move and walk, they found groups that they were that they got along with. So and these, then they these bears moon. are
0: social bears? They're, so, they're okay. very social. So they're not like pandas? No. Okay.
1: Um, They're very social. They're actually moon bears, Asiatic black bears. Um, really, really amazing creatures. Three different phases. So bears that just had arrived, bears that were in the process of being integrated into groups, and then bears that were well integrated into groups. No one really had done this. There was um, one woman in Guelph in Canada who had kind of done a limited... Ethogram on Asiatic black bears, but no one had really developed an ethogram on Asiatic black bears, let alone um, Asiatic black bears that have been in captivity. Right. In these bear it's
0: crazy to places. me that, that I always wonder. There are these wild, really narrow scientific studies like that that I just I, I I'm so thankful that they're out there, but I, I it's hard for me to imagine. The kind of person who would i, I mean, it, this is the good side of humanity it is where you get so interested in it and you want to dive so deeply into something and you just nail and is this was that what you did did you it did
1: is but but here was the really cool thing about it no this is what was really cool about it is that so i went and i spent time there and i i literally spent hours videotaping bears I'd leave the camera and I'd go away. Because you try to get rid of you know any sort of things that would distract from them. So anyway, went over there for several months, videotaped all these different bears, characterized all the behaviors. But what I found was the bears that were well integrated into groups there only demonstrated stereotypic behavior and for them it was a head bob because they couldn't pace most carnivores pace Mm -hmm. if you go to the zoo you'll see tigers and bears and and it's just one of the things that they do and part of it might be because they're used to prowling or or sort of keeping aware of their environment but so these guys couldn't do that so they would bob their heads but they only demonstrated stereotypic behavior two percent of the time so it was very interesting because there were people from around the world who were building zoos like for the really rich guys in saudi arabia oh great and they wanted to come and understand what the enrichment protocol was and and what these programs were that they were using in Animals Asia to cut down because it was the, the smallest percentage of stereotypic behavior of any animal in captivity hmm. up to that point. Now, here was the challenge about this, though. Because of China and politics, we were not able to publish this study or make it available outside of those that I gave my direct results to. It was very interesting when I was there... People from the government would show up and want our passports and shut down the internet. And it was, it was very political because here we were in the process of doing something that could look, well, let's just say not so nice for the government of
0: China. Huh. Oh, well, it seems like they, they they were in the process of trying to fix that. Though. They that were. They were a- trying
1: to fix it. But the... And, and I, I am not privy to, you know, the inner workings of the negotiations with Animals Asia and the Chinese government by any stretch of the imagination. But the upshot was I was not allowed to publish the study. But they did say to me, why don't you come back and do a PhD in bear behavior here? And I said, no, I want to go be a surgeon. You know, this is great. surgeon. Yeah. Which now I'm not even doing it. All. I mean, I do surgery. but
0: well, Yeah, but... Come on, surgeons are just cutters.
1: Yeah, but, but, you know, I, I really liked scrubs and and high fiving and, and, and oh. like fixing stuff with your. Remember, I wanted to be a mechanic. Remember? Oh, that's true. If I didn't get into veterinary school. I was going to be a mechanic. So it was like, I, I just really want to like make stuff because I used to be a foundry artisan and and huh. make bronze right. bells. I knew and, that about you. You know, all that kind of stuff. So I really liked working with my hands. You know, this, this initially seemed like, whoa, this is way off that I hadn't <laughs> planned on it. But now when I look at it in retrospect, it, it, probably was closer to what would have made me really really happy well, but do,
0: do you have any regrets about not doing it
1: uh sometimes yes okay yeah. but
0: yeah i mean i can it's always one of those roads not taken and you never know what yeah. it would have been but I mean, it is but, china china is a little bit troublesome
1: I- indeed it's tricky and hong kong's certainly gone through you know a lot of changes i'm not sure living there now again and 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 i wouldn't have met well, I wouldn't have met you and I wouldn't have met my fiance and I wouldn't have the horse. And there's a whole other veritable potpourri of experiences well, you, that wouldn't have happened.
0: You may have met the good James. Oh. And that was all from the question of what you disliked about veterinary medicine.
1: Hmm.
0: Is there anything else you want to circle around on that one? Mm. Mm. I'm assuming because I was kind of pitching this one up to, uh, I was assuming you were going to say something along the lines of, well, as soon as I let everyone know I'm a veterinarian, <laughs> they want all the veterinarian advice do you get you know, a lot of that honestly
1: I, I don't i don't really mind that the the only caveat with that is right, i would expect I? turnabout is fair play and let's say you're a lawyer <laughs> or you're a mechanic and then uh so i i've talked to you about your dog hey come take a look at my car
0: okay but lawyers you can't ask that about from lawyers my father is an attorney a retired attorney you know when, I, when I, whenever he says when i ask him a question how many billable hours no he, he replies well you know, I'm not, that's not my specialty. Plus I don't practice in Arizona, so I can't really help you. Mm. He always diverts and he's the smartest. Mm. 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 There's that. Um, (laughs) when did you first want to become a veterinarian?
1: Not till much later in life. It's, uh, it's funny. My father was a veterinarian and Mm. I was born the year that he opened his practice. And I actually, my first crib was in the cat ward. I slept in a kennel oh,
0: my God. do you have pictures of that
1: uh somewhere i think i do okay and so i actually really did grow up in an animal hospital
0: did you learn how to lick yourself
1: uh i did i, I self-groom there you go so i, I don't need to shower no yeah, it's, you look perfect it's good. yeah seems to be working all, for you uh,
0: that's why you keep your hair short it is except it for is. that short period when you had it super long
1: yeah but that was fake so it was <laughs> easy to just tie it up um but i did used to go into the dog ward and and sit there and bark and think that i could Talk to the dogs and you may
0: have been talking to the dogs
1: i I think i was everyone used to ask me well you're going to be a veterinarian like your father aren't you so of course negative reinforcement rebel like of course i'm not (laughs) (laughs) no i'm not but strangely enough i loved the office aspect of it i loved making the calls and, and, and writing things down and tabulating things. And so maybe I should have become an accountant. I don't, I don't know.
0: No, I think that's a very different thing.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. Managing
0: but, an office and dealing with people versus dealing with numbers, of, yeah. which was it The yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So, so that also gets to the second part of that question. Was there anyone who influenced you to become a veterinarian? And I, I guess there was some, uh, direct or indirect, uh, influence from your father, I guess.
1: Well, he actually advised against it. He said, "Listen, it's really hard. You have to work as hard, if not harder, than in human medicine. Oh well, that's you have a multiple given. species, and it's very hard to get in, and the pay is really not great. You know, it's just it's it's long hours and it's physically demanding, and it's." He said, "I, I don't think you should do it." He said, "I think it, you should do something else."
0: Well, it seems to have worked for you.
1: So well, I do like it. I, I think I like the aspect of really engaging with people and and teaching them things and figuring things out. But then again, I still, I come back to, um, my, my plan had been to have a practice called the dog and pony show, or I was going to move to New York and only do bulldogs, Boston terriers, Frenchies, pugs.
0: We would never have met under those circumstances.
1: No, no. And horses. But
0: this is kind of a silly question then, since you were basically born into veterinary, veterinary medicine, mm-hmm. but is, is there, is veterinary medicine what you thought it would be?
1: It's a lot more stressful, I think, than I ever thought it would be. I was a technician for quite a long time Mm -hmm. and actually loved being a technician because I loved working with my hands and, and working with the animals and finessing them and calming them down and pulling blood and doing things well. If the doctor wanted something done, you knew what they wanted and there was a lot of satisfaction in that. And then suddenly when you're sitting in the driver's seat, it's a lot more stressful than I think that people realize hmm. in that it's all on you you better have those answers or if you don't have those I found over time it's funny I think initially I thought you better have those answers but the longer that I've done it it's more about communication and sometimes I will look at my clients saying you know what I don't have a dog I don't have a clue
0: that is such Let's a try remarkably to figure
1: out what this is because I don't know
0: that's a remarkably um evolved uh, re- response to have uh the the I think people who always try to have the answer often come up wrong because they don't have the answer
1: I think that for a lot of young veterinarians, and and I think we are missing mentorship because a lot of the older guys that instilled confidence and there's some wonderful things about veterinary medicine becoming so specialized. But then there's some other things that aren't so wonderful in that there are a lot of vets who say i have no idea what that is we need to send it to somebody else because mm. there's oncologists oh, yeah. and cardiologists and radiologists and surgeons and <sighs> internal medicine people and human
0: medicine is probably worse at that than veterinary medicine need, at least know. at least with the veterinary this is the thing i love about veterinary medicine from an outside view you take your animal in and you know, he sees a doctor, they have, they come up with a, a initial diagnosis, they can run some tests, they can get those tests back the same day, and they can even do, sometimes they can do treatment that same day too, mm-hmm. even if it's fairly advanced treatment. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to human medicine where it takes two weeks, or at least in the United States, it takes two weeks to get an appointment, then it takes two weeks to get the results for the uh, whatever tests are run, mm-hmm. and then it, it takes two weeks to get the results from those tests. And, ugh. Well, I, if I were sick, I'd so much rather go to a veterinarian than a human doctor.
1: Although it is interesting because with the advancements now and also, so can too, you look at my shoulder? Huh, you don't have enough hair.
0: <laughs> uh, I, I do have hair. I have hair all over.
1: <laughs> I think I need to just speak, speak in a different language and woof there. There you go. Let me refer you to an orthopedic surgeon. Uh,
0: No, I want it done here now. Come on. But it
1: is interesting because I think that a lot of veterinarians, younger veterinarians, put a lot of pressure on themselves to have the answers and to know. And it is hard because I get a lot of clients who they look at me and they say, well, why can't you figure this out? And I said, listen, I don't know anymore. I mean, I do know a little bit more than you do, but (laughs) I don't know if your dog ate something. I don't know. I mean, I did my physical exam. This is what I see. Unfortunately, my crystal ball is in the shop. So we can run this test, or, and and I don't just throw. I don't run random tests. There's a specific thing that I'm generally looking for, but sometimes you have no idea what you're looking for. It's
0: medicine. It's not an exact. Well, yeah. it's an exact science in some areas, but it can be very hard to pin down. To and, pin and down what's going on. You've got to be able to. So many-
1: I, I think you got to be able to communicate that to your clients. Is you know what? We don't have all the answers. We're doing the best that we can. Sometimes we make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Yeah, but right. you know, we're a team. We're working on this together. I do have. More knowledge in some areas than yeah. you do.
0: <laughs> I will say, as a PSA, people, both for your own body and your animal's bodies, they're wildly more complicated than you have any. If you didn't take anatomy, you have no idea how complicated these things are. And even anatomy only only starts to brush the surface.
1: Well, in physiology, and, and you know, it's funny, when we started this, before the podcast, you said to me, "Now you need to watch out for those multisyllabic <laughs> words that are really specific, like granulomatous meningoencephalitis, or even radiograph or renal." You know, and I, and I realize renal—what the hell is that? Excuse my French. Uh, kidneys. You know, what do the kidneys do? Most people don't have a clue what the kidneys do. Uh, they make beans, right? Ha! Huh? They are beans. Whatever. They're a type of bean.
0: Well, that, that's how they make beans.
1: Oh, from kidneys. Well, no, I'm just saying. They, I don't they know. cut. They cut little don't kidneys de- up.
0: Don't 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 interview me too deeply. It doesn't go that deep. <laughs> Whatever comes to my head in the in the first second is what gets, comes out. There's there, there's no background for it.
1: Uh, I get, yeah, uh, uh, I'm forklift.
0: <laughs> well, then I'll ask you the next next okay. question. Do you have any advice for someone who is thinking about going into veterinary medicine?
1: Yes. Do you want to share that with us? Uh, I think you need to spend time. With a working veterinarian. Now, there's so many different aspects of veterinary medicine. You could end up and go and say, you know what? I want to be a population medicine vet and I want to work in the food industry and mm. do food production and work with pigs or dairy cows or beef cows. How
0: many people really say that?
1: I, I don't know. I mean, there's good money in that. Okay, and it's, well, that's it's, true. It's also there can be a certain, a certain satisfaction. I mean, Hormel or any of these you know, huge chicken chicken stuff or sheep. You know, food animal production is a really big deal. It is. Um, and you need to know a lot of things about managing large herds.
0: I would imagine if you think you're inter- interested in that, I think it would be probably very instructive to to go and do a couple of days or weeks with that because yeah. it may not be what you expect.
1: No. And I think that that's a lot of veterinary medicine is not necessarily what people expect, but I've had people ask me questions and say, you know, I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian and then I went and spent time with a veterinarian and I realized, wow, I think I'd really like to go into conservation. I'd like mm. to work with animals, but I'd like to work with, you know, deer in the forests and figure out how we work with conserving species. Well, that's great, or, yeah. You know, that sort of thing where if you love animals, there's a lot of different ways to do this versus realizing most of your patients don't want to deal with you.
0: Right. Especially if they're turkeys or pigs or, mm-hmm. or cows. Or even
1: th- you're a cat or a dog and you're coming in to see me and really I can't explain to you why I'm opening your mouth and sticking <laughs> yeah. something in your rear end and, and, you know, giving you the, let's face it, when you go to the doctor and the doctor palpates your abdomen, feels your stomach, not your stomach, feels your abdomen. You don't like it. Like, it's weird. What are you doing? So how do you explain to an animal, listen, I got to see if you got a big spleen and I feel that you have, Just talking you through know, it. stones in your bladder.
0: Meow, meow, uh, meow. You know.
1: Hey. And, and I do talk to them the whole time I'm doing it. I don't know that they understand, but I do think they pick up tone and intention. I think and so. the, And the one really important thing is that I think a lot of people don't realize is y- you have an intention to do something, but the animal looks as if they're a, your prey, that you have this almost predatory, I'm coming at you to listen <laughs> to your heart. And they get more freaked out. So you really have to sort of divert. I'm not making direct eye contact. I'm coming around. I've got my hand on you. And I'm just sort of running my hand down. And see, I'm feeling. But it's not really anything that you need to worry about. Okay. whoops. Okay, that was a little (laughs) weird. But you have to be aware that you have to be very aware of your intention and your body language. Animals are very sensitive. And they, they read your body language and your intention. Did
0: you learn any of that in vet school? No. Mm-hmm.
1: No. Actually... I'm not
0: indicting indicting anyone here, uh, but I'm well, indicting someone here.
1: Here's the This is the hard thing, is that, you know, you're becoming a doctor. So you've got to learn all normals, all abnormals. You've got four years to do this in, right? There's no way. Now, I do think, and someone might lambast for this for me, but I really believe this strongly, that what they started doing was the people that they were admitting into veterinary school were people whose GPA were outstanding. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily people who had common sense and had a lot of experience handling animals, but people whose GPA was great. Yeah. So they had no concept of how to communicate. I remember when I was in veterinary school, nobody wanted to do a rectal exam on the cow. I, know, I want to know what this feels like. What are you talking about? No, I don't want to. Well, what are you here then for? Because this is a physical... Yeah,
0: you got to jump in there at some a, point. And you've
1: got to learn to read the animal and convey some degree of... I'm the boss, but I'm not here to hurt you, of of justice and fairness, and yet I still need to get this done. And how do you finesse and read an animal? One of the reasons that I did not become an equine veterinarian, even though I realized I loved horses, was all of my experience up until veterinary school had been with small animal. I'd never ridden a horse. I didn't know how to read a horse. I was Uh great at the medicine. But the reality of I have to approach this horse – in a field and get them and bring them back and do a physical exam and horses are very different than other creatures although really they're not because I've become a much better human since I've been working with horses because I realize you know you don't learn everything absolutely immediately I mean you didn't learn to drive in a day so but it took me having to go to learn to ride a horse and and mm. train horses to realize wow, even if you have a 1% improvement at every time you have a lesson, that is outstanding. Because we expect so much of ourselves and so much of other people and so much of our pets that we aren't patient and we don't stop and think, hey, you know what? A little at a time. One of the biggest things that I talk to my my clients about, you know, we always say, oh, start brushing your animal's teeth. Uh, yeah. No way. You know what? The animals have no idea what you're doing. You're going to pin them down and take this foreign object and start. Well, it's,
0: you know, it's not only that. It's not only the the behavior of the animal. It's the behavior of the human too.
1: And they think, and, and it's funny because I, behavior is a big issue with a lot of my clients and animals being stressed. And how do you manage this? And trying to talk to them about, hey, listen, you don't even realize that when you let your dog walk through the door before you, you're setting it up that they're the boss and they're in charge. And if you've ever had to manage a group of people, you realize it's stressful. And so you have these animals that think they're running the household. Mm. No wonder they're stressed out. Or the kids. Because, yeah, they're, oh my God, I got to manage this. and, And there's the postman. And there's this. And holy, holy molasses. And... You don't realize that when you think, oh, this is great, I'm letting you just kind of have the run of the house, I'm I'm loving you, that you're not setting up any kind of situation that gives them any sense of confidence, self-esteem, where's my position in the pack?
0: Basically, treating or uh, training your animals how to respond to you and how to fit into your pack.
1: Yes, and and... They feel comfortable if someone else is in charge.
0: Or they at least know where they are. Yeah. And they 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 shouldn't be in charge because they don't have a credit card.
1: No, indeed. Indeed.
0: Oh, I've got a question for you. Uh This is kind of a little bit off the wall. The questions get a little bit more off the wall at this point, I think. Maybe a little bit. Is there any professor from your college days that you still harbor a murderous rage towards?
1: I'm I'm not going. I'm going to take the fifth.
0: Okay. So that's a yes. Oh, yes. And you don't want to dismantle them here
1: no well let's just say that he was having affairs with students and let's just say the other thing actually this is quite timely there you go so i won't name any names but he was very political and i went to school at lsu it's in the south Mm -hmm. it's a polite place i think that i think manners are wonderful and i think that um people can have differing political opinions and you can still be polite and you can still socialize and you can still work together and we had chosen something, something about, you know, America being great or America being wonderful or something, something patriotic. And he was very against this. And so he was not going to help. This was our open house. I Let me back up. It was the theme for open house it was something that was patriotic. Mm-hmm. And um, he had come from, well, he was a Yankee. And... <laughs> I'm from California originally so I mean it's sort of like all right.
0: So we're I'm from New York and you're from California mm-hmm. so for us and I went to graduate school in North Carolina so I was sensitive when I got there that mm-hmm. I was I didn't know it at the time but now I, I can look back and at least know that I was sensitive to it that you got to be very careful because you're transitioning into an honor culture and that's a very different culture from California and New York. Mm-hmm. You have to be careful what you say and how you say it.
1: Very much and and I learned a lot and I really started to appreciate manners and the golden rule. And I think the thing that bothered me the most was we had picked, our class had picked a patriotic theme for open house and he didn't agree with it. And therefore he was not going to participate nor help the students. And I thought that goes against your position as a professor. Whether you support what the theme of the open house is, you're a pathologist. Help us set up abnormal lungs what does it have to do with you believe that patriotism should and and there was no intention in any way to lock anyone out or not include anyone or there was no statement that the class had made that had any intent of of a political statement but he turned it into something political Mm -hmm. and I just found that to be completely inappropriate and and just Very unprofessional. He also, too, there was another instance where a lot of times they'll grade on the curve. Mm -hmm. Okay, if everybody messes up, we're not going to fail everybody. And so he had written a particularly difficult test. And the majority of the class had not done well. And so the dean talked to him about curving this. And he said, absolutely not. They should know the material. And he made a comment about something to do with the special bus. They're all on a special bus. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. Now, here's the funny thing. I never knew what being on the special bus meant. So actually, from this experience, I learned what that meant, right? But he was obviously saying, oh, well, clearly, they're all intellectually challenged or less than. Challenged in some way. The, The short bus. The short, that's what it was, the short bus. Not the special bus, the short bus.
0: I rode the short bus. Did you? Yes. Mm. I, I think was it would be le- more comfortable. Learning, I was learning it disabled.
1: It wouldn't bounce as much because I used to sit in the back of the bus uh, when I was in junior high school. Maybe, maybe and not. And it floated it's hard to say. quite a bit. And I imagine that you probably wouldn't get that same, you know, sort of air. <laughs> when I you're think it's pretty similar. Short bus. But but I just felt like, hey, listen, you could even come back and say, great. Why don't we do this now that everybody's had this test and they haven't done well let's review the material and take a new test i mean as a professor that might be something that he should have suggested
0: i'm gonna take a wild stab at his name was it adolf hitler
1: no it was not sounds
0: like it you sure no okay well i'm I'm sticking with that no he he was he was
1: uh had some sort of really curly dark hair um and was from like boston or something i don't
0: know some dumb place like boston <laughs>
1: although i like like i have nothing against boston like i, I have still, you been to boston i have So i have
0: things against boston
1: do uh, you not really Although but, i like know, goodwill it's... hunting i like the accent oh god How goodwill tedious. hunting was a great film it was a good film it's a really good film except for
0: that what was the, guy, the the main actor is fine i didn't like the tall um, guy, matt though.
1: damon and um and uh ben but, affleck yeah what, what is
0: Ben? out a- does he have ta- am i, I, am I, I really wrong like ben affleck oh you're wrong about that he has no talent
1: I, I totally disagree with you. Well, I like Ben well, you're, Affleck. You're wrong.
0: Did you see him as Batman?
1: Um, no, but I also liked Christian Bale. So that might, a lot of people thought that Christian Bale was a horrid what? Batman. Who said that? I don't know. I, no I one like...
0: said that. No one in their right mind was. I mean, Wait, he, did you see him? Wait, He, he was played a little Steve, over the top. He
1: played Steve Reeves. Was it Steve Reeves? He, in uh, the Hollywood film about Superman. And he did a great job. Wait, who, who, ben oh, Affleck.
0: Did he? Uh, yeah. I don't remember any good Superman movies except for the first one. Well, no, and, and it
1: was because uh, it, it was really good. It was about the guy. It was about the real actor who played Superman.
0: Oh, no, I don't know. I didn't see it, that. It's a
1: really good film. And uh, Diane Lane is in it because, um, and then Bob Hoskins is in it. Um, it, it was good. It was, it was very well done. I, I can't recall the name, but again, I should drink more coffee. <laughs>
0: Well, again, since you already knew the veterinary medicine world, this may not be as uh, in, uh, relevant to you. But what thing were you most worried about when you started that turned out to be no big deal in veterinary medicine?
1: Hmm. Because That's we all have really those things that you know we
0: we, we worry about the things before we have to tackle them, and then sometimes they turn out to be no big deal.
1: Hmm. Um. I think it was an an anal sacculectomy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is what I was worried about at the beginning of this conversation. Yeah, it, you
1: know, the anal sacs are those two little pockets that, that make the stinky stuff at 5 and 7 o'clock around. Oh, is that where they are? The oh, yeah, I'm yeah, so yeah, yeah. glad to and, know and, where, they
0: are, where they are now. And
1: normally when an animal defecates, they squeeze their little muscles and they express that kind of stinky stuff. And occasionally you will get tumors there that are not good. And well, tumors
0: are generally bad.
1: Yeah, they are. I mean, neo. Plasia in and of itself just means new growth. You just have to differentiate between benign and space occupying and it's cosmetic and who cares and malignant and it's going to metastasize like kudzu and take over everything. (laughs) Yeah. So I really have to thank because I I didn't have a mentor until I came to work at the practice that I'm working at now. Really? Unfortunately, he retired. I just, well, when I graduated from veterinary school, I went and I did an internship and I did my internship at Alameda East in Denver. And it had been eVet interns and emergency vets and on television. And they did the great eVet intern television show back on Animal Planet many, many years ago. Wow, okay. And um, it was a great practice. I went out there as a fourth year student to see, did I fit in there? And I got along really well with everybody. And um, there were a couple of surgeons I really wanted to work with. And in the time that I went back to school and graduated and went to my internship, the practice was purchased by a corporation. Oh boy! And so all a lot of the people that had been there left, and so when I got there, the people that I had really connected with um, were no longer there. So and they actually had um, the the surgeons that they brought on were all new. They had just finished their residencies. Oh my god! And so someone who's just finished their residency, you can imagine, is a bit higher strung and a bit more concerned about. They're not nearly as experienced. Right.
0: Well, also, they don't know anything yet. So I mean, granted, they've done a, I mean, residency, they know a lot, but, they, but yeah, yeah but, but, and they've done a residency. So but that doesn't mean they've been in practice for 10 so years. So
1: they clearly did. They didn't want the interns doing surgeon surgery. They, there was a lot of changes. And so the the gentleman that I had really <laughs> connected with that I was really hoping to you know spend time with had left.
0: Well, that kind of sucks,
1: you know. And these guys, there were a lot of, there was a lot of transition. It was, you know, newly purchased. Um, it it really it was a bumpy time.
0: And that's not generally a good transition.
1: No, I mean it's a great practice, and there were great doctors there. It was just there were other things on people's minds at the time. <laughs>
0: yeah, one can imagine.
1: Than necessarily mentoring.
0: So, the anal sac.
1: So, did you
0: get, did you eventually conquer your?
1: I did. Well, okay. it wasn't anything that I'd ever, th- when I was in school, it was like, oh man, this is a dangerous surgery because there's a lot of blood vessels and nerves and you could really mess this up. That animal might become fecally in, you know, basically fecal incontinence and, and that means they're walking around and pooping and they can't stop because they're a little, wrecked, nobody's going to like you for that. If, if you mess this up, right? This is big time so there was the idea that, well, you don't even do this surgery unless you're a board-certified surgeon. And... But the veterinarian that I worked with, he'd been around a long time. He'd, he'd done a lot of things. He was a very good veterinarian and he communicated with his clients. And if they couldn't necessarily afford referral to a specialist, and this is the way that medicine used to be when my dad was a veterinarian. It was like, hey, I can't refer you to a specialist, but we're gonna do the best we can with what mm. we've got. We're gonna be really honest about things. And, you know, we're gonna try our best. It may not work, but hey, what other options do you have? And and let's give it a try. It was a lot of the medicine that this doctor practiced was that way. Oh, okay. And very practical, but you know, hey, I'm gonna and, and he was a good guy and he'd spent a lot of time doing a lot of surgery and and was a very capable surgeon. When this case came across my plate, I asked him, I said, Hey, would you, he, well, he kind of suggested, Hey, you want to do that? I'll, I'll help <laughs> oh, you do boy. it. And I thought, Oh my God. Like, uh, and he helped me and it, it went really, really well. So oh, is, this,
0: is this, are you talking about the place you worked at? Yeah. You, right now. That's kind of staggering that it took that long to get a mentor.
1: Yeah. I'd been out of school and, and then, and then I worked with him for a year and a half, two years and he's gone. Yeah. I do you should pull him
0: out of that that should not be allowed
1: no but it's but it's hard to find the person that I think also too that you connect with finding a mentor is very serendipitous you know Mm. it's not just somebody who you're assigned to because in my internship I was assigned to somebody it was like ah there you go and it didn't necessarily mean that you connected with that person or you had the same well and being assigned a
0: mentor doesn't often work because um, both people have to be into it
1: yeah yeah. I
0: remember I'd, um, as an industrial designer, if I talk about myself for a moment. No, I'd love to hear about you. The fascinating thing about when I was <clears throat> coming out of school is uh, when we were just li- literally my last class in, at uh, RISD was a joint MIT RISD class. And it was about interdisciplinary teams. We were literally writing the book mm-hmm. on interdis- interdisciplinary teams. And so that was just kind of baked into my DNA. That in the first couple of jobs I had, no problem. I worked in the same cubicle with the engineer that I, I was working with. We were just, you know, just naturally working back together, uh, working back and mm-hmm. forth with the design. But then I, it, it took a while for me to realize and recognize that uh, it's really easy to say and lay out the plan for an interdisciplinary team. But unless you have buy-in from everybody on the team, they can show up to the meetings, but it doesn't really work unless they're they're bought into it. And the last company I worked for, they were not bought into it. It seemed like on the surface everything Mm -hmm. was working, but it it really wasn't. So you were talking about films, film crews, Uh being a little bit different.
1: Well, and I can't speak to film crews now, but I can say... My degree is in film and I worked on a lot of films. What? And yeah, I, my undergrad degree is in. <laughs>
0: That'll have to wait for our next that's podcast. Another one.
1: But I worked on a lot of films and commercials. And one of the things that I remember uh, being told is if you're starting out as a production assistant, what are the important things? You better be able to talk to anybody about anything, anytime, and be happy, <laughs> be efficient get things done, have a can-do attitude and and really work together and and have buy-in because if you don't, they're not going to call you back for the next project mm-hmm. and there's plenty of other people who are dying to get that job and that's why or, to, or tours or certain filmmakers pick their dp, their director of photography, you know, the people that they work with, their costume designers, their composers, their actors, their teams that work together well that then you you begin to work almost on instinct where you have the goal and you have things clearly outlined as to what you want, but then you have that extra spark that you really need to be truly successful. Yeah, that's
0: the core of the interdisciplinary team. It's one person from a different discipline Mm -hmm. sees something wrong or or sees, well, you know, if you do it this way, we're going to have more post-production work. If you just tweak it just a little bit, Mm -hmm. it's going to save a lot of time and makes everything better.
1: You know, and somebody has an idea and yet then there's that spark of, oh, let me show you this or I can make this work for you here. I can make this work for you there. And so you have different people who do different things, but all coming together.
0: That was a wonderful thing about when I was in art school, we had one building called the Metcalf building and we had uh, a wood shop in the basement plus a foundry. And then we had glass, uh, jewelry, uh, glasswork, industrial design, all on the different levels. And we you going up and forth and across the, you know, even across the so hall. So probably had
1: inspiration from somebody working with different material.
0: Exactly. And it was cross-pollination. Yeah. So I, we are coming up on an hour. <laughs> so I do have some other interesting questions I want okay. to get to. What case do you look back on with, with, with notable pride?
1: This is actually one that was very recent.
0: And please don't say anal gland.
1: No, no, it's not. It's not. It, it, and the the couple, the owners were so charming. They were an elderly couple that absolutely loved their dog and he was in Airedale. And he came in for his annual and they said, you know, he's just not quite himself. There's something that just isn't quite right. We don't really know. You know, I did my physical exam and there wasn't anything that was majorly standing out, although... His abdomen seemed slightly distended. And so I said, you know, we should really shoot some x-rays, because a physical exam is very important. Mm -hmm. And I was very pleased that I actually could feel his spleen was a little bit enlarged, which then, oh, you know what? We should really take an x-ray and see. So we took an x-ray, and you could see that there was mild enlargement of the spleen and mild enlargement of the liver, but nothing obvious like, ooh, a big mass, right? So I said, well, he's, you know, he's an old guy, we really should run some blood work. And the blood work came back, one of the lines of the white blood cells called lymphocytes. High end of normal, three to five, 66,000. The dog had lymphocytic leukemia and it was amazing. It was like, this is so cool, I literally found the answer out in 24 hours. A major disease that if we had not caught this, clearly he would have gone downhill very quickly. Now, it's not a great disease to have, but I was able to get them into an oncologist. And, you know, within a matter of days, he was getting chemotherapy. He was feeling much better. You know, it wasn't like we're going to give him years and years. But, you know, they came in. Not expecting. I mean, just sort of like, well, he's just kind of not really himself. And, you know, okay, there's nothing specific that's jumping out. You know, and you run these tests thinking I want to rule things out. And then you okay. go, whoa, that's it. This is the last thing. And I'd never seen a case of this before. You know, maybe it was something I studied way back when. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a common disease process, but at least for me in general practice. And it was like, wow, that was really cool. I caught that right away. I think I might have, I I think I texted your wife. No doubt. I did. I said, Hey, I've got this dog and he's got a lymphocyte count of 66,000. She was like, He needs an oncologist now.
0: (laughs) That's that, you know, I won't say it sounds serendipitous, but it sounds like the kind of thing that you're trained for. It's like all the pieces just fit right in. Everything falls right into place because you did the right thing and it was, it just, and you had the right process. And then you were able to, you know, very quickly get ahead of this thing. And again, I don't want to compare it. Well, I do want to compare it to human medicine. I mean, how long would it would have t- that same yeah. process taken for human medicine? At least a month, if not yeah. a month and a half.
1: You know, and we do. I mean, x-rays give you so much. It's it's really hard to explain to people. It's kind of like, listen, you got to probably spend $500 to take x-rays and run blood work. But man, the information that you get from this can make a life and death
0: well, personally I think you you know, ultrasounds ultrasounds are pretty cool.
1: Well, ultrasound is super cool. And a lot of Sa- times it, plug. It, it 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 goes to that. And honestly, anyone that has that talent, your wife specifically. Oh I mean, oh yeah, my wife. She's yeah. pretty good at that, huh? She's really good at that. I actually was very, very pleased because I had to do a recheck on a dog that had some sort of kidney issues. And I was able to actually record it on our oh, machine. Okay. And get images and send them to her. And they almost looked like they weren't as good as hers, but I'd watched her do it enough mm-hmm. that I was, oh, wait a minute. I think I have a little feel. Oh, look at that. Oh my God. Oh my God. It kind of looks like it's so get much that. easier
0: after you watch a pro do it. Oh. Once you see, yeah, that's the thing. I always love watching how I want to see how the pro does it. Yeah. And then I know I can't do it that way, but I can start to shoot towards that.
1: You and that's true about riding horses, playing tennis. Well, yeah, anything. I, I
0: wasn't. I don't do ultrasound, so I wasn't talking about my ultrasound <laughs> skills. My ultrasound skills are terrible. <laughs> I'm a photographer, but I only take pictures of the outside.
1: So, so is there something specific in your experience that that you watched a pro do that then you did and, and you really felt like you did a great job at it? Like
0: everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but that's the way that's the way I learned, because I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I have, I have learning disabilities. And I, the only I guess the, the best ex- explanation of that or, or um, illustration of that was uh, when I was in college, I took all of one computer class and it was taking AutoCAD, AutoCAD 14, if I remember correctly. I don't remember. The, it was it was an AutoCAD. And I would read I would read the the, uh, the chapter for to prepare for class. And I was completely lost. I, I know what the hell they were talking about. And I couldn't I could not get the information from the book into my brain. There was just it was complete, complete blockage. But then as soon as we got there and, the, mm-hmm. and the, the, the teacher started describing it and showing it and doing it, I immediately got it. And by beginning of the class, I was the worst student in the class. Mm-hmm. By the end of each class, I was literally the best student. That's and best, I'm not uh, trying to toot no. to, to my own horn here, but I really, I, I was very good with 3D modeling.
1: And actually, I completely relate to that. And I thought you were joking that you were on the short bus. Oh, no, bus.
0: I really, literally was.
1: Well, and, and I'm actually dyslexic, and I'm exactly the same way. And the funny thing is when I was in veterinary school, talking to people at the very beginning of entering school they thought I was the smartest person in class and then I'd have to go take a test and I actually on one test it was all true false I I switched them around and I failed (laughs) the whole thing but when we got into clinics and I could actually see something and do it the same thing happened so I I, it's it's so important to have
0: instructors and teachers who under who can recognize Mm -hmm. that and compensate for it what is your best advice for pet owners
1: my best advice for the pet very best. Owners. I don't want
0: second best. I want best. The, the single best.
1: Oh geez. Number one, you need to have a piggy bank.
0: Oh well, yeah. I I. I you do. I say that to people. I say you, do. you have to have five hundred to thousand dollars a year. Uh, put it set just aside. Just put it aside. For your for your animal. Just just put it like, aside as a base level.
1: And and preventative care is important.
0: And get pet insurance.
1: Pet it. Microchip your pet. Vaccines. Microchip is super important. Right. Vaccines, basic things. We're, we're seeing now more heartworm disease. We're seeing a lot of fleas really? and ticks. These are things that, that you, you really need to educate yourself and, and really spend time. I think a lot of people make decisions, unfortunately. This is a reality based on finances. Right. And they get upset with us. But the, but the reality is having an animal, it, it's a privilege and it's a responsibility. And you need to take that seriously and realize that just like if you're a parent, there's a responsibility that goes along with that and it's not free. You have to understand that you're going to have to spend some money to get good care to do, to take care of your animal. Listen to and, and ask and pay attention to your veterinarian. Everyone thinks that veterinarians are out to take their money, you know, and, and I hear a lot of people make claims about my veterinarian so great because they didn't charge me for that. And we really need to realize that Okay, we're people too. Clearly, we're not in this for the money. Yeah. Okay, because you don't see veterinarians owning huge mansions. And I mean, we're doing this for different reasons. If you want to make money, you go into a different field. We're not trying to price gouge you. But there are costs associated with Health and well-being and maintenance, and we're not trying to upsell you. If we talk to you about bordetella and kennel cough and leptospirosis and heartworm prevention, yeah, or microchip yeah. your pet, or spay your neuter, those are
0: not things you make a lot of money off of.
1: No, but they're basic health care that that you really you really have to but have to think about.
0: It's easier now because the vaccines come with the microchips, right? I mean, I got vaccinated, and I'm assuming I'm all chipped up now, right? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 oh, no, okay.
1: no. But microchips are very well, easy disappointing. to place, isn't it? Isn't it? But maybe with COVID now and people learning a little bit more about vaccines and antibodies and spread of disease and recognizing, gee, okay. Oh, I- you
0: know, you are so optimistic about that. People <laughs> people are talking about like, oh, when we get back to normal life, things are going to be so different. Nothing's going to be different. Have you not, know, do you not know humans? Yeah. In a couple of months time, like by the fall, people are completely forgotten COVID and everything will be back to what it was before. Sorry. <laughs> That's my prediction.
1: And and the other thing, set boundaries. Set boundaries for your pets. They they set boundaries. Don't let they they can't grow that way though. Roughshod all over the place. They
0: can't grow that way. You can't set boundaries. It's like saying no to a child. Who says no to a child? Yeah,
1: I'm not even gonna begin. Are you supposed
0: to say no to a child? Oh, I guess I need to start over then.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah, you should say no to a child and set boundaries. I'm being a little sarcastic jerk. Um, Oh. What was your most embarrassing moment as a veterinarian?
1: I don't get embarrassed very easily. I'm trying to think if there was an embarrassing moment as a veterinarian.
0: It's like as a podcaster, it was the moment I realized I forgot my co-host.
1: Um, Does that help? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Okay, this is probably the most embarrassing moment as a veterinarian. And it was in veterinary school. Mm-hmm. And what they did was they, it was the beginning of a class. And they sent out this, you were supposed to read it. It was like taking a test. And it was number one, you know, add 13 and 17. Number two, stand on your head and scratch your, your belly. Number three, jump up and down three times. Number four, hit your neighbor. But you're supposed to read the whole thing first before you do anything. And the last line of it said, don't do any of this. Wait till they tell you what to do. So you'd look around and, of course, I'm the one jumping up and down and bouncing and hitting my neighbor because, no, I didn't read all the way down to the end because I I I don't do that.
0: You got to always read to the end.
1: So it was funny because here I'm in veterinary school thinking oh, I'm so smart. And I, and I think it was one of the first classes that <sighs> That'll we That'll take you to. down like, a hey, notch. Hey, can, can, you, can you follow instructions? <laughs> can you wait, read the whole thing before you do anything? Oh, no, I'm jumping up and down and adding and figuring stuff out. And then there are those groups that are just sitting there watching the rest of us like, well, clearly you, it, you can't know that's like the. Do you
0: remember the ice bucket challenge? No, the, uh, it was a few years ago. There was an ice bucket challenge. It was it was for some uh, disease. Uh, I don't remember what it was. I
1: oh wait wait wait. I, this is ringing a little bit of a. There bell. you go. Tell me the rest. So of it. So the
0: the challenge was okay. This was the actually way it was worded. I don't remember the exact wording, but it was um, either pour a, a bucket of ice over your head so you can you know raise awareness and then donate f- to this challenge. Mm-hmm. Either do that or write a check to the. Uh, to the, to the foundation in charge. So that was the actual thing. Either do the ice bucket or write a check. Most people were just reading the first part and say, okay, well, we'll pour our ice bucket. So he had celebrities. Everybody was doing this. Patrick Stewart. You know Patrick Stewart.
1: I know Patrick Stewart.
0: He has a YouTube video. You probably, probably still look this up. And he, you know, he, he gets the challenge. He sees it. He reads it. He has a little whiskey on his desk. So he writes a check <laughs> and he drinks the whiskey and he just looks straight into the camera and said, Done. nice someone can see it's so much better reading all the way through
1: it's true although i do have to admit i've gotten over this and i don't make a big deal about it but you do always feel badly if the animal is male and you call them a him and she's a her Uh, and they tell you this in veterinary school don't mess it up you know if you're going to talk to an owner and the dog's female and you refer to the dog as a boy Uh you're really going to upset the client and i think we all do it inadvertently yeah it's and no so big deal. It, it's one of those things where you're like eh, okay whatever but i do have to admit there is a little part of me that there's that voice in the back of my head <sighs> that says you don't ever do that they're they're never gonna trust you you know if you can't figure out what sex they are how are you gonna practice medicine and are so you, that that voice echoes like do you
0: oh. have only one voice in your head
1: yeah
0: because that would be it's
1: all i'm admitting to
0: okay fair enough I have one final question. This mm-hmm. is probably the most important question. Which are better, cats or dogs?
1: I like hairless cats and brachycephalic dogs. Oh my god!
0: Um, I don't think I've ever had a more wrong answer on this show.
1: So yeah, and, and we're going have to, rats. I, I, I don't know.
0: We're, we're gonna have to. Ha, we're gonna have to have a little session. We're gonna have to yeah. sit down and describe yeah. to you. I'll have my wife do it because she's the veterinarian.
1: I'll tell you afterward, off camera. But I, I, I <laughs> off camera, off camera, off, to... <laughs> off 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 microphone, okay. off microphone. Hairless cats and and flat face dogs.
0: You're a psycho. <laughs> she she laughs maniacally. Claudia, I resemble that remark. <laughs> Cla- Claudia, thank you very much for coming on.
1: James, it's been an absolute pleasure. Bye bye guys. Bye bye. You come on out, the sun
0: is out, the sun is out, so bright. Heatstroke is brought to you by Markers in Motion. Out. It's making light, light and bright for you. Sleepy. If you'd like to contact Heatstroke, go to HeatstrokePodcast.com. Peek-a-boo.
1: Don't you feel me?
0: It's morning dew.
1: All I want yes is a cup. Yes. A There that cup. Yes. In my hand. Yes. A large cup. Hot. One. Oh. Cup.
0: It's not tea. And it must be dark, dark brown. Oh, it, it will a brown. Make it hot. Make it hot. Make it very, very hot. Coffee.